Hello and welcome to Wait, What Just Happened, a Yellow Jackets podcast. I'm Sam and I have the gun. I'm Allie and are we having a baby shower? <laughs> and I'm Abby and forgive me, I have IBS. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, that's the best one. <laughs> okay, um, to, we're here today to talk about season two of Yellow Jackets called Digestive, which is something that you consume after you eat to help you digest um this episode like mint yes uh this episode was written by sarah l thompson and amani rosa and directed by jeff w beard um so what are your guys' overall thoughts on the episode a little confusing always a cliffhanger and a lot of blood this time feels like we have a two and a half year old joining us today (laughs) she is doing a very good job sitting quietly but if you hear a little noise from here and here and there and my phone and uh (laughs) Allie didn't put her phone on silent (laughs) my bad just expect some some friends to join us in this room Lennon if you want to say hi you can say hi no. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, overall thoughts of the episode. Um, Thais is losing it. I'd like to, I'm more excited for that more. And, you know, I liked it. I liked it. I can use it. I kind of feel like this episode was the most lighthearted so far. Mm. The most fun. Mm. That might be a little bit of a stretch. But <laughs> it kind of almost felt like there was no huge um shifts in the plot Mm. and story yeah um but you're just getting to know the characters a little bit more yeah um this episode is a bit slower than the first two that we got um and they spend a lot of time exploring relationships um they spend a lot of time exploring some of the relationships between the characters like Misty and Walter versus Misty and Crystal, um, Lottie and Shauna, Lottie and Natalie, Taisa and Van. Um, yeah, they're paired up a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of pairings being explored mm-hmm. here, Ben and his man. So we're going to go character by character, but start with a brief rundown of where the characters are when the episode opens. Um, we see Ben is in really bad shape, and he is disassociating and barely conscious. He's like, going back in time and fantasizing about his boyfriend or he's reliving a memory um with his boyfriend before he went on the trip we keep cutting back and forth from jackie who has been dubbed by the subreddit um snacky (laughs) (laughs) um from her dripping hand bone and then natalie is sitting alone on the porch looking very traumatized by what just happened and ty comes out and uh her first and her, the first thing she does is freak out about what happened to Jackie. She doesn't know what happened to Jackie. Did some animal eat her? And she's freaking out. And then Van comes out and tells her that we ate her. Uh, and Taisa has no memory of this. She says, Ty, you ate her face. You ate her face. That was... Um, yeah. Um, when she went to go throw up, all I could think was, like, don't throw that up. Keep those nutrients in you. <laughs> um and then the rest of the group begins to come out. Mari, uh, Coach Ben comes inside from using the restroom, and Mari makes a joke. I guess no one wants breakfast. And then uh, Natalie offers to take her body out to the plane. Coach voices, passive aggressively voices his discomfort and disapproval. Um, well, at least then we can make it look like she died like the rest of them. Yeah. It's interesting. We learned so much about um, 
sleepwalking tie, dark tie, other tie, whatever, whatever she's going to be called. I like dark tie personally um, and how she operates. So that's one of, um, I think, the most interesting things that's unfolding from this episode is how this other version of Ty exists. Well, I'm interested to see if it's more of a, are they going to do like a possession scenario or are they doing like a schizophrenic scenario or, you know, like more like split personalities here or are they like, it's something that's been possessing her and then that's, what you know, takes hold of the vessel when she's asleep. So like, I'm interested to see what they're going to do the, there. We, yeah, I, I wonder if, like, because y- you form split personalities. What is the actual thing called? Dissociative Thank you. personality disorder. Or DID. Mm-hmm. Um, and new f- personalities split and form with trauma, yeah. right? So I wonder if when her grandmother passed and she saw the man with no eyes, if that trauma was so severe that it created and fractured and then this other tie was born. And this... Uh, the man with no eyes is a part of that identity and follows her like from place to place like you know follows her forever throughout her lives and when she's you know tired and mentally unhealthy this other personality is gets stronger because she's weaker so she's stressed about the campaign and everything else that's going on this this tie gets stronger she's in the wilderness in an incredibly stressful situation and then this other tie gets stronger my guess is that it's supernatural. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel more strongly towards that argument than the mental illness. Yeah. Um, and do you feel it's like a possession or what do you, what are your... Well, it's happening at night only, mm-hmm. which is something that is not a thing in dissociative identity disorder. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's not like your parts only come out when you're asleep. Um, that's a bit unusual. Um, so I think it seems more like possession of some kind. Possession seems, I don't not think it's supernatural, but possession seems too easy, like too simple. But possession is a very, very, very broad umbrella. Okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't mean like you're average demon and like you know exorcist thing um but more of like an entity that can take hold more when she's in the sleep state and like i don't who knows if it's even a female like but i have notes on it later when they say when she's like Taisa, Taisa, or you know, or she goes, "Who's her?" And she like, he goes, "Taisa." Yeah. So well, then, who are you? And it's like, "Ooh, that's that trick question." That. You can't, yeah. <laughs> let's just let's talk about Taisa then, like full on, because we already are. <laughs> yeah. But I so I put in my notes. That I think Van's actually super smart for asking. Yeah. Them those questions, like those trick questions of who are you, um, because you know Taisa really has no idea. Obviously, like you know, every time she's awake, she's like, "Why am I here? What's going on?" Blah blah. blah. So it's when she's in the alternate state that you're actually going to get any answers. I love what Van did here. Like, I love how she didn't try to wake her up immediately and went along with her. And, and like you said, asked the questions, who is she? Like, and, and followed her and, like, really pursued this in a smart way instead of out of fear. Um, because we did get some answers, even though, like, um, it's not a lot. We still know right, that this yeah. person can communicate.
I still think this could really end up hurting Van in some way. And I'm actually really worried about Van. Young Van? Yeah, yeah young Van. So yes. I think what 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 the show seems to be telling us is that's where um, Thaisa is, older Thaisa is on her way right now by the end of the episode. Because when she confronts or when she finally like has that conversation with the other version of herself in the mirror at the hospital in the bathroom um that the reflection is saying go to her go to her and then she puts her hands over her face um in a way that's either supposed to be van scars or like the mask that they Mm -hmm. wore to homecoming um so i'm more leaning towards what fractured their relationship was their differences in their beliefs like van wants to follow lottie and Thaisa's against that stuff um but who knows I do think it could definitely still she could definitely still get hurt more but they've already almost killed her so many times I don't know how many more times they're gonna let Van cheat death um but we also know that Van's not with the cult right now so I'm really excited to see what's up with Van that's a really good prediction because we know that we're gonna meet Van because we see her as an adult at Mm -hmm. some point yeah um and we know that Simone is almost being axed. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen there, yeah. but... Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if she drew the symbol on Simone's hand, so is that a protection symbol? Like, what does that mean? Okay, so I feel... Like, that's what I have notes about for Lottie as well. I think originally she does really think it's for protection. Um, I think it's a lot more, like, ritualistic to where you... It obviously likes offerings and, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, sacrifices and things. So it's a little, that's a little more wanting instead of just protecting, if that makes sense. Like it's an exchange. And so maybe not just the symbol just itself is exchange, but it has to do with, yeah, with it and with the sacrifice and how the, there's so much blood. And, and then you told me later with the bees that it means whatever was said in Latin or French or whatever. It was, wants maybe. blood. It wants blood, which makes a lot of sense with the same, the whole same type of vibe with, like, the sacrifices and the blood and, and Shauna's nose bleeding mm-hmm. on the symbol. The symbol likes blood. So that also, you know, it's, you're feeding it. It can be an exchange. But if you already have a deep, like, Lottie has a deep already connection with this so by the time it's coming back around you know present day like when travis died and with the bees and the shit she's seeing like you've already you already have a contract (laughs) you know what i mean you're already been sacrificing stuff to it for a while it already knows you it knows your like weaknesses and your points so it's, it's interesting that they all see their different things I like this um, conversation that Thaisa has with Akila when they're um, getting ready for the baby shower and Thaisa's making a little bassinet for the baby. And then her and Akila just have this conversation about Akila missing her nephew and not being there to watch him grow up. Um, and Thaisa, you know, offers a hand on her shoulder. I just really like the little soft moments that we get between, like, major happenings where we just kind of see the characters Loving each other and being caring towards each other. Shauna's a mess. Like she's all telling her husband how excited her exciting her affair was. 
<laughs> and then he gets all mad and tries to do something spontaneous and take them to go fucking turn butter or some weird shit. <laughs> and they get their car jacked. She gets the gun. She coming in hot, man. Like, she just, she don't give a fuck no more. Like I was so annoyed with Jeff because she had the gun. She had the power. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. stopped her. Like, she already, I get that she shouldn't have done it, but she already did. She already won. And he made it less safe for them by push like stopping her from um, finishing what she started. Yeah, but I mean, I feel it though. Like Jeff is a normal ass person. He's actually probably like super worried about the cops this entire time. He's actually not as like, yeah, I'm back in the game of killing people like Sean is. You know what I mean? Like he's fucking traumatized, trying to act like a cool guy. You know, with his wife or whatever, but I think he's actually freaking out, and then he's realizing like he really, really doesn't know his wife at all. Yeah, and she's ready to like murk anybody at any moment. Yeah, he's having a really hard time. Um, when we open up with them, you know, he's reflecting on this version of himself from the past who who didn't buy the strawberry lube because that's what goths and bisexuals and bisexuals are into. Yeah. And then he's like thinking, oh, I'm so boring, and that's why you had this affair, and and Shauna explains it as it's um it's not about him it was about her like needing some excitement and not needing to know what was going to happen because she feels like she's the boring version of herself but then at the end of the episode when we're um when uh or it's actually the beginning of the episode but when shauna young shauna is talking to lottie right after they all just ate jackie and it's the next morning Shauna is the one who is she's crying and she's saying that she's so scared because everything feels out of control and she doesn't know what's going to happen. So this version of Shauna that she wants that she like misses the most this like wild wilderness version of her that version of her wanted everything to be stable and normal and predictable. So it's interesting to see that as she's grown up she craves that loss of control again. I just think it was an interesting parallel that they uh, created with Shauna there. There's a lot of parallels in this episode. Jeff's a dumbass talking to Kevin in the gym, but, um, you know, he looks yeah. super guilty. Yeah, he has some very bad gym etiquette. He's rude to the guy. I'm still using that. Um, and then, yeah, he, he definitely made them look more guilty. Jeff's, like, Justin Bieber boy haircut is really annoying me, and Kevin with his backwards hat. Like, these these. <laughs> These people are just stuck in their youth with his, like, cut-off sweatshirt. Like, they just look like little boys who are old now. I totally noticed that, too. <laughs> Randy, too, though. Like the with the backwards was, baseball cap. The, no, Randy, when he was talking. Oh, Randy, yeah. Um, the way he was talking, it was just so funny. I'm like, who is this guy, like, 19? Yeah, his annoying voice. And he's like, what are you doing, ma'am? Yeah. dude? Like... <laughs> But yeah, we have this incredible performance from Melanie Linsky. Um, I love the scene when Shauna went to go get her car back because I, I literally had no idea what was going to happen. Like, I didn't know. I, I didn't know if she was nervous or excited until she told us she was excited. Like, it was just this incredible performance um, and like oh, an amazing scene. People are always so sweaty when you kill them. <laughs> There's a yeah. look that people get when they realize they're going to die in her Melanie Linsky voice. Ugh. That's so interesting that she said that because that means that she will murder people who don't just die. 
Yeah. She's killed people. She's actually killed people. So now I want to know how how many people Shauna has killed. Mm -hmm. Was it only people in the wilderness? And how? I want to know the circumstances. I mean, it seemed like a regular thing. I mean, when they were chopping up that body last season, Mm -hmm. and they were like, yep, Shauna take the... Sean do the butchering, Misty do the cleanup. Like they, they know this was delegated tasks. Tasks for probably more than one occasion. So then we have Natalie, you know, getting ready to go take Jackie's remains to the plane, and so we have her picking up the pieces of Jackie's body piece by piece and putting them in a bag, like you know. And and Sophie Thatcher's performance is also really beautiful and subtle there. Um, both Lottie and Travis try to connect with her. Travis offers to go. Lottie tries to give her the blessing, but she rejects both of them. And then when she takes Jackie to the plane, she gives her this really sweet eulogy and thanks her for her contribution to the group. Um, and then she's immediately sees this big white moose and charges at her. Um, I put that I like how Natty's always just down like handle the business. Like she's like, no, mm-hmm. I'll. I'll do this. And it wasn't like, it wouldn't make sense to have Travis there for her. Like, it was, she needed to, like, lay Jackie to rest on her own. And was pretty much like, yeah, you're a total bitch, but, like, I get it. That was, like, almost your role to play. You know what I mean? Like, in this lifetime. Um, and, like, the, you know, you always need attention, but, like, that's you. And then it was interesting because I don't. The white moose for me meant a lot, like, okay, so when someone like Natalie is so closed off and does not believe in anything at all, or anything at all, at all, at all, and wants, you know, science to explain it all, you know, everything has an explanation, um, like, well, they'll call it, like, a spirit jolt, or, like, a spirit wakes up your third eye. It makes you see. So, if you're just not going to believe it all until you see it, if you're one of those people, like, give me proof, they're like, all right, I'll give you fucking proof. And a big-ass white moose is a great one. Um, haven't heard that one yet, but I also want to see what if you see the symbolism of it. Because also, she doesn't have an animal yet that everybody else mm. kind of has an animal. So then I'm like, is this her mm. animal, or is this just, um, you know, the forest, the entity of the forest being like, you know, you're going to believe in this shit like everybody else. Especially right after she thanks Jackie for what is keeping them alive. Mm-hmm. For so like, you know you believe in something, something. For what we know becomes ritualistic to them to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, killing a white moose is supposed to bring bad luck. She does not kill the moose. And then if a white moose appears, it's supposed to um, symbolize luck, fertility, and prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um, they also Some cultures also believe that it possesses magical powers, that a moose can cure disease and ward off evil spirits, um, which has been interesting. It's a sacred creature. It's a sacred creature that is associated with the spirit world. Yeah. So I wonder if we'll see the moose again or if that was just a little nod to so, her for her good behavior. There was a couple things this episode that made me also think, is this a portal situation as well? This location to where it's a place that, like, good and evil are very thin. So not only is the veil... He's between everyone caught here in the middle, but it's somewhere where sometimes good and evil battle shit out in, in terms. They can use different planes to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, because there was a couple of different mentions, like in music one time for sure. And then there's been just different things to where I don't feel that everything is always 
dark. Like, even in sometimes when there's a spiritual element to it, there's also some very, very dark, real, like, ritual stuff going on. But then there's not always a dark feeling to everything. Or it's, like, one of those disguised, you know, when, like, in movies they try and be like, oh, well, the demons will disguise themselves as angels. And there's, like, a whole thing on it. So I'm having a hard time deciding still, are they, like, which route they're really committing to of, you know, is how supernatural are they going? How, yeah. How deep are we? Because obviously they have, you know, like, hobbies somewhere, something. Like, there's obviously a lot of stuff to unfold here. So yeah. So are they really going for it all? And there's still some really good theories that I really like and sound really plausible that could explain everything away without any supernatural element whatsoever, which I'll talk about later. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting. Because the um anything else to say about <laughs> young natalie before we talk about adult natalie i just think that um she seems to be the most comfortable around death because mm-hmm. of her prior experience with it but also death knowing that it was almost for the best mm-hmm. and i think that helps her to accept I think that it makes sense she would be the one to take the body away. Yeah. And she says, like, well, either you might be the reason we make it through winter. Like, she knows. Like, you know, she's out there hunting every fucking day. Yeah, they, they're still, we still, like, don't know if there's more to that, like, throwaway line where I think it was, I don't remember who said it. Maybe Taisa that said that Natalie is the reason they all made it. They all survived is because of Natalie. Oh, in the first season mm-hmm. she said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and which, like, She's got a good head on her shoulders at this point. She's my favorite character. Yeah, yeah I really like Natalie. And I love Ju- Juliet Lewis's portrayal of Natalie. I could just oh, watch yeah. Juliet Lewis walk around and make faces all day long. Like, <laughs> I'm so interested because I feel like if she really wanted to leave, she would have been gone by now. Well, you see her like, you know, they say don't drink the Kool-Aid, but she's drinking the maca smoothies. Like, yeah. like she's but So that's why like, it feels like a more like she's more trying to figure figure Lottie out she did escape Lottie she did commit to stopping Lottie so she's there but like you see she's not wearing the clothes but still in the meeting like she puts on the heliotrope jacket and she's like kind of in there and she does stand up Mm -hmm. and participate when Lottie pulls her in Mm -hmm. so it's like this like I I just love the push pull of Lottie and Natalie in this episode because they they every scene with Natalie has Lottie in it in the past and the present except for you know the plane scene but but Lottie's always right there like we 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 see Nat- adult Natalie and Lottie, and then we come back, and it's young adult Natalie and Lottie, and it's the same. Yeah, they're paired up this episode. Yeah. yeah. But we know that Natalie is the one that ultimately saves them yeah. somehow, not Lottie. I, I'm curious what the others believe uh, saved them, really, because the people who we are following in the story, the adults that we are following are the ones who did not believe in anything that Lottie was talking about. Like at the end when Lottie says, uh, gather its blessings, Shauna goes inside, Thaisa goes inside, Natalie goes inside. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who we stick with. So we know they think that Lottie's bullshit. But we still haven't heard anyone, any adult's perspective on who saved them. Um, also, Lottie's cabin has the antlers on it. So is this like a reference yeah. to Lottie as the antler queen? Um, 
And then uh, when Lottie takes Natalie, Natalie is like looking at the corkboard at all their various activities. And Lottie's like, oh, you should sign up for something. And then she takes her to go look at the bees. Um, and they have this discussion about the queen bees and how um, a queen bee will kill all of the queen bees that have yet to be born so she can maintain her queen bee status and then natalie says oh i can see why you like them Mm -hmm. so what did lottie do (laughs) to maintain her status like how does that very pointed very specific comment what does that tell us about what happened back there Mm -hmm. and with the bees at the end of the episode and the blood yeah it i feel like that's kind of like a prediction like lottie has blood on her hands uh, like foreshadowing? Yeah, like foreshadow. They all have blood on their hands. Well, it's interesting that it's Lottie in this episode that has blood on her hands. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's true. the one that's claiming to protect everybody. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's what, yeah, I guess uh, foreshadowing what's going to come, but in the past, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how she, if she like feels any guilt or anything about what happened back then that we still don't know that was the first scene where it seems like she she might have some guilt because she's seeing the blood on her hands yeah yeah it's interesting though because we're we're seeing her hallucinate a lot Mm -hmm. we've seen her hallucinate when she's telling the travis story Mm -hmm. and we're seeing this hallucination here now too uh there's just still so many questions to be answered um you're right she already was feeling some kind of conflict i forgot about the travis yeah i think it's the like sacrifices like they fed it for so something it's coming back you know it's asking for more from and lottie's what who gave it the probably the most but then um taisa obviously does her own sacrifices at night too in the past you know and that's they're who are both really feeling it right now already they're both technically hallucinating right we've seen them both now lottie and taisa Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um so speaking of lottie um in the past we have her trying to connect with natalie multiple times always unsuccessful um and then you know like i already talked about um how Lottie goes to comfort Shauna when and and is the one who comes up with the idea to throw the baby shower, and I love like the girls' excitement here. Um, are we gonna have a baby shower? Like yeah, it's really just you. quiet and sweet. Like they haven't had anything to be excited about in a long time. Um, I like I just really liked the way that scene was done. Well, I think it's interesting that well, this is fast forwarding to the baby shower, but still like the only note to have a past Lottie is I think she's already not already they've been in for a while i guess but she's like automatically connected to the symbol in a way that she can't even understand which i find interesting like it seems like you would have come home and researched this symbol and (laughs) find out what it meant or something before you started like a cult and like put this symbol on everybody yeah but it's like just from the very beginning she thinks it's protection right away and now it's like, dude was dead, Lottie. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. So this this scene is so cool because it's telling us more. Like, this is where the group fights and we see them really start to split off um, because Lottie gives Shauna the blanket and, and then 
Misty chimes in like, I believe her. And everyone's like, I believe Lottie. And then there's the people who think it's all bullshit. So we see the group divide. Mm -hmm. And then we really like see the group divide into followers and non-followers when all those birds die and Lottie says, gather your blessings. And then there's the ones who do. And then there's the ones who don't. Um, So I wonder how how much further this is going to like split and progress as the season goes on. Like is the divide there now and it's going to stay there or will they like come back together for a little bit and continue to argue and then like officially separate um, because those they're going to have their rituals eventually that everyone doesn't agree with. But it seems like there's more people who support Lottie than don't support Lottie. Yeah. And everyone just wants something to believe in. I feel like this is the first time I remember hearing Charlotte. I didn't remember like they call her Charlotte instead of Lottie. Yeah. Um. But then, uh, do you think they're gonna eat the birds? Like, are those birds edible birds? I mean, mm. I don't see why not unless there's actually some like bird disease. Yeah. Because it seems pretty supernatural to me. I mean, her nose started fucking bleeding on the thing, and all the birds dropped down. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. Cause in the when they did the seance and Lottie slammed her head against the window, the fr- and the French that lo- adult Lottie hears again is it wants blood. It got blood because Shauna bled on it, and the birds fall from the sky. Um, and again, Lottie calls it a blessing. Yeah, I actually agree that it, those birds are for them to eat. That's yep. why they fell there. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. did what the they did it's, what the spirits wanted, mm-hmm. so they're being rewarded. Yeah, and you know when they cook in those ambers, gonna smell real good. Maybe that's what's gonna bring Coach Ben back to life. Yeah, hopefully. Mm. I don't yeah. know. He's he's tripping. That. He ended with the birds. Oh yeah. If I saw if I saw somebody. So Travis did We didn't see Travis at all in the whole bird. Situation. Was he out there? No. I don't know. And so we haven't seen him since, Coach. I don't know. I just think the, like, it would make sense to be, like, yo, something's wrong with Coach. Misty, Natalie, like, Lottie, healer, like, someone do something for Coach. I don't know. It's just weird. I feel like Coach wants to die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so in his fantasy with his boyfriend, who is, like, so good-looking, uh, <laughs> or he's like, you know, he's remembering this argument that he had with his boyfriend because his boyfriend asks him to move in with him and he's not ready. He's like, this will change everything in my life. And, you know, we're talking about like a gay man in 1996. So he's not out yet. He's not ready to come out. Um, and like, you know, his boyfriend's like, you hate these girls. Like, you hate this. Like, just come with me. Like, the Nationals excuse is just an excuse. You're just being scared. Um, so that one, like... I can say with confidence is real that really happened but then the one that comes after that where um you know he he imagines that he didn't go on the trip and he decides to move in with his boyfriend um it's really heartbreaking because um in 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 that dream sequence he explains to his boyfriend that the saddest version of himself is the version who isn't out and gets on the plane with those girls because he's hiding and he's closeted. But we have to like know that coach is the saddest version of himself right now. And he's dying as the worst possible like outcome for his life because he didn't decide to live this loving full life with this man who loves him and who he probably loved because he was too scared (laughs) to be who he is. It's really sad. (laughs) Very. I feel like a gay person chose the songs for this episode. 
Probably. I loved the <laughs> the 1000 Maniac song playing in the background of mm-hmm. that 1996 scene. That was mm-hmm. awesome. And then Tori Amos. Mm-hmm. Love Tori Amos. In the, at the end of the episode. Always good. Those music. were really good song choices. Do you have any more to say about the Coach Ben stuff? Um. Gay. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> Gay 90s shit. <laughs> um, it's like the gay tragedy trope. Gay people always get separated or die. Except Van and Thaisa are, I guess. Yeah, it's the it's the fridge your gaze trope or bury your gaze. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> the unbury your gaze is the counter movement. I've never um, heard that. Unbury your gaze. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's interesting. I didn't go there immediately, but it's it's hard. Tropes are so hard because it's like when you call something a trope, it feels like reductive and it takes away from what story you're telling. And then it's like, okay, can we not tell these stories with gay characters because we have to be concerned about killing our gays, fridging our gays, you know? But this is like a beautiful, sad story. But it's also like, it's another dying gay man and a gay couple who won't be together. It's another it's another gay couple who doesn't get a happy ending, essentially. And we also have a queer couple with normal marriage problems. Well, not uh, not not normal. normal. <laughs> uh, not quite so normal. It's it, it uh, the problems aren't because they're queer. Yeah. Exactly. They have problems that are completely just outside of that. Yeah. Um, the queerness is just a side note. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Misty um (laughs) i know you're gonna talk about misty so i'll just give my misty notes and then we'll how about that that sounds good okay um so we have misty and crystal crafting and talking uh (laughs) there's they're saying it without saying it that they wanted to make bone broth out of jackie's bones which is smart and everybody turned them down but they should have made the bone broth um because that's nutritious. Um, I love that Crystal is matching Misty's creepiness. Um, it's not the first time I ate somebody. I absorbed my twin in the womb. <laughs> and then it's Crystal who gives her the idea to do the monologue. Um, and then we have like this cute little sleepover moment where Misty and Crystal are like tucked under their tapestry and Misty gives some, or Crystal gives some pretty solid acting advice. We're all made of lies. Um, and I wonder how this feeds into the unreliable narr- narrators that we've been dealing with in this season so far. Um, and then Misty does her monologue and everyone like gives her shit for it in the beginning and rolls her eyes at it. But then by the end of it, her performance is so good and captivating that everyone is like in tears and they bought into it and they're relating to it, which is like exactly what an actor wants. Um, and we have this like slow zoom into Misty's face with this big smile on her face. And she's like realizing they're like, this is my superpower. And then we'll see how she uses that later on in her life to continue to get what she wants um, and to you know manipulate people. She uses her acting skills. Um, mm-hmm. 
And this uh, brought up notes of Station Eleven for me. Survival is insufficient. Are we going to have a traveling Shakespeare group? That'd be cool. Misty and Crystal just putting on shows for the girls. I felt that. I remembered Station Eleven. Yeah. You need entertainment in the apocalypse. (laughs) Even stranded in the woods. Um, So then in the present, Misty is going to meet Walter on his boat called Great Expectations, um, which is... Let's go, Walter. Um, I love how they're both still, call- still calling each other by their usernames. Uh, what is what is Misty's? Something gray. Falcon? No, it's like whatever her bird is named. And then uh, putting the sick in forensics. Um, they almost have them in matching outfits. Like they're both wearing yes. like white shirts with blue stripes underneath. Um, really interesting. <laughs> I guess that's what both of them would wear out to see. They got to dress the part, look like sailors. Um, and then we have this interrogation with, uh, Randy and Walter and Misty's in the bathroom giving him instructions in his ear. And this just feels like foreplay for them. Like this is super sexy for them and is turning them on. And then Walter likes hitting Randy and he has IBS. (laughs) Um, (laughs) why does Walter have a bone saw? Um, I like this, uh moment where randy talks about seeing natalie's like the people that lottie sent to watch over natalie um they're just hanging around all wearing purple and drinking all the fanta um because colts have their drinks that they they drink the kool-aid um yeah like a lot of colts have their drinks um i read what i think i read it on i i don't remember where i read it if i read it on reddit or (laughs) um if it was a TikTok I saw, but this woman was talking about how she used to work at the um, AMC in uh, Texas, and it was like where Scientology, Scientologists had like their big convention every year, and every single year all they would get it'd be like thousands of Scientologists pouring in. Tom Cruise would put it on at the theater, and thousands of Scientologists would pour in to watch a Tom Cruise movie, <laughs> and all they would, all of them would get mozzarella sticks and Sprite. Every year, she said, it never changed. Just mozzarella sticks and spray. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm hungry for mozzarella I'm sticks so now. Hungry. I haven't had those in forever, dude. Yeah. So at the end, um, Misty and Walter are talking about, like, oh, like, why did you do all this just to meet me? And and Misty tells, like, her lie about why she was downvoting his posts about Adam Martin and all of that. Um her lie here is not as well acted as her Steel Magnolias monologue. Uh, seems like she uh, falters under pressure. Um, Walter, Walter can see right through her, so I'm really curious if Walter's really doing this with Misty because he has some stake in what happened to Adam. Like, is he Adam's brother, friend? Like, he's very invested in this case. And um, I also think it's very interesting because he says, I'm just a Moriarty looking for his Sherlock. It's not that cute because moriarty and sherlock are enemies they're adversaries uh it's not sherlock and watson it's sherlock and moriarty so one it's interesting that he just admits that right off the bat and two okay so walter's not on misty's side like there's way more to it than this he's looking for someone to antagonize so they can be antagonists for each other. Wait, but does that only grow the love between them? I don't know. I ship them. I'm all for Wilter, Walter and Misty. Wisty, let's go. Wisty. Wisty or Malter. Like, I'm so there for it. But 
I don't know. I think Walter has his own agenda and Misty's going to wind up getting hurt. Oh, and then the only other thing to talk about is Mari. Um, we just have two little moments with her where she is probably hallucinating the sound of water dripping. So Mari is now being affected by this too. And then possible pit girl foreshadowing because Mari is making that like wind chime thing and it has like a spike on it. And uh, someone is like, are you trying to stab the baby? Um, so if Mari is pit girl, then it could be, if Mari is pit girl, then it could be foreshadowing for uh, her getting impaled by a bunch of stakes later. So now we have two characters on a road trip. We have Thais is on her way to get Van, and Misty is hopefully on her way to get uh, Natalie. Oh my god, I want buddy cop Walter and Misty on the road. I cannot wait for the next episode. <laughs> um, okay, before you do therapy, do you have anything else to say? Nope. Okay, before you do therapy, I just want to talk about my favorite Reddit theory, which seems the most plausible, but also is apparently very similar to how Lost turned out. I'm not super familiar mm. with Lost, but... Um, Okay, so the theory that I like and that um, I think seems the most realistic and the best explanation for what is happening is, so in the first season, um, they found the river and it was the river of blood, but it was just a red river. That's why Misty at the end says, oh, we know there's a lot of iron here. Maybe it confused their flight patterns. Um, and then we have the tree where everything is melted. So... There's something going on underground, like maybe like they're at like an old mining mining uh, location and the symbol is actually a mining map. So like the circle, which it looks like the head, is the sun. And then the, all the like lines are like, um, you know, like pointing them in certain directions and like a map of the mines. Um, and the hallucinations are all caused from mercury poisoning, which is causing the strange behavior from the animals also. Mm. Um, but they even have Misty pointed out in this episode, like I said, she says, well, we do know there's a lot of iron here. So it's interesting that the writers would have Misty speculating in the way that we are speculating and the citizen detectives of the Yellow Jackets Reddit thread are speculating because. Mm. I feel like the, the mercury poisoning causing all of these hallucinations is just maybe a little far so, but then, like I said, we have Mari starting to hallucinate now, too. So, and it's interesting. She's just hearing something. She's just hearing water dripping. dripping. Mm. Um, but you hallucinate when you're asleep, uh, not sleep, uh, when you're deprived of food. Yeah. That's a common thing. Yeah, which is what Coach's hallucination looked like to me. Um, the one where the girl's, like, foaming at the mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anything else we can do? therapy and wrap it up sure sure okay let me do your intro song na 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 therapy with abby (laughs) (laughs) that's so cute okay so i felt a strong spirit of friendship and connection in this episode so i'm going to be talking about the relationships between the young misty and crystal and the present day misty and walter so last week when I was talking about Jackie and Shauna, I mentioned object relations theory, which basically means our most significant relationships are internalized and become a part of our personality. So it's the process by which that happens. Um, the object meaning object of our attachment, affection, or love. So there's a quote that I actually have in my fridge that's through others we become ourselves. And I think they really talk about that in this episode. And they were talking about last episode too. Um, So, in the first season, we learn that Misty yearns to be needed, 
forces herself into situations, uh, and she forces... Uh, let me restart that part. In the first season, we learn that Misty yearns to be needed and forces herself into situations where she is needed in order to gain the affection of other people. So in this season, there are, we learn that there are actually two exceptions to that, her relationship with Crystal and her relationship with Walter. So they both see the true Misty and I think understand her loneliness because of who they are themselves. Um, so as a teenager, her relationship with Crystal appears to be changing who she is because she is no longer engaging in the same pattern of behavior where she's desperately trying to help everyone. She's not even concerned about Ben. Oh yeah, that was something that Allie pointed out when we were watching it. Um, is yeah, Misty's not obsessed with him anymore, so she's not there to take care of him because otherwise she would have been all over him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I believe she's internalizing the personality of a person, meaning Crystal, who is not ashamed to be her authentic self. Um, so I think that Steel Magnolia scene like really exemplifies that. So like if you ever had a friend who supports you in doing like a bold and ridiculous thing just because you're both going to get a big kick out of it, then I think you'll really understand this scene. Um, and I don't even think that Shauna even was enjoying it because you see her face. She's not even participating. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't really about Shauna. It was more, I think, like for them mm -hmm, in that moment and that duo. And when you have a good duo and you're really being your authentic self, people automatically actually like you. Um, so she doesn't actually need to force who she is. Um, so I think that Crystal's supportive tears were so beautiful. <laughs> And I really think that we all only have a few relationships like that in our lifetime. Um, but what's sad is I think that um, Misty probably lost Crystal um, or otherwise she wouldn't have reverted back to forcing herself into these false connections, right. needing to be needed as an adult. It almost feels like she took what, what Crystal was trying to teach her about acting the ex like accepting we are all made of lies and it's now morphed into you know manipulation and acting her way through relationships um but i do believe her attachment to crystal is lying dormant inside of her mm -hmm. until walter enters the scene as like the new crystal so i think walter could be something that really changes her as an adult in the boat scene, it seems like Walter softens Misty and Misty makes Walter braver. Hmm. Um, and Misty is clearly uh, caught off guard um, by Walter's comments about her at the end, her being a genius or so smart, um, which I think is actually how she does view herself. So I think she's a bit shook yes. in that last scene and that's really cool to see because we just see her actual vulnerability i really hope that walter uh has good intentions here i'm very worried about walter's intentions but i hope for that too i think he's connected to adam somehow that also feels too obvious so if it was that i would be disappointed um but he's very invested in Adam's case 
Maybe just because it's fun for him. Maybe he'll fall in love with Misty and find out Misty has something to do with it and not turn her in anyway because he loves her. Maybe he'll help oh, them cover it up. That yeah. would be ideal. <laughs> Maybe that's where he comes comes in. He helps them cover it up. He gets them out of trouble with the police. Misty and Walter. Yeah. Thank you, Abby. And thank Woo. you for listening. Season 2, Episode 3 of Yellow Jackets. And we'll be back next week. Buzz, buzz. Hopefully Ben's buzz. alive then. Bye. Bye.